Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Premier Fantasy Football Podcast, powered by Pro Football Network. I am your co-host for today, Tommy Garrett. You can find me over at Twitter, at Tommy Garrett PFN. I'm the Senior Fantasy Analyst here at Pro Football Network. Joining me, as always, is my co-worker here, Jason Katz. You can find him over at JasonKatz13 over on Twitter. Uh, Katz, how you doing, my man? I'm doing great. This has been a nice, relaxing weekend. Kind of been home all weekend. Last week... Pretty much had like three days in a row of Memorial Day festivities, a lot of burgers, a lot of hot dogs, and it was nice to have a relaxing weekend afterwards. I was going to say, like, I don't see where the problem is here. Like, all of this sounds like a good thing to have. Oh, it was a lot of fun. But, you know, you can't do that every day. You need to have that that decompression period. It was it was it was great. Try me. But <laughs> I, mean, I can yeah. live by a grill and with a beer in my hand, like for the rest of my life and be just fine. I mean, grilled grilled food is is the best, especially burgers, uh, burgers, chicken, hot dogs, all that good stuff. I, I love it. If it if it comes off a grill, give me all the meats in my mouth all at the same time. Um, all right, to do today's episode, we kind of did a wrap up of the rookie incoming rookies for this season's class. I'm kind of we're starting to do our transition from dynasty into redraft kind of focus mindset, but we're we're not there quite just yet. We're going to do a couple more episodes here, going over dynasty values. Well, today is going to be we're going to talk about some of our favorite buy low candidates heading into the 2022 season. This will not be all encompassing. This will not be everyone. I guarantee you, myself and for Cats himself too. We probably have more opinions. They're going to let us do in a 30 minute podcast where it condenses down to some of our favorite ones. Um, I think what I'll do, Cats, we'll kind of let you start things off and see where you're at. So, who's the first name you have as a buy low for Dynasty heading into the 2022 season? I tried to break this up so we kind of covered somebody to every position. So we're going to start with a quarterback. And one of my favorite buy lows is Jalen Hurts. You sniped this one from me. Yeah, I know. You're a big Jalen Hurts guy. And and I jumped in there because when we do our prep, I kind of put my name in there first. And I got to him first. So I get to talk about him. I mean, that's fair. You want to call me a procrastinator? Just do it next time. Just at me next time when you do that. (laughs) Doing it live. So Jalen Hurts. in dynasty circles, he's kind of ranked around the quarterback 11-ish, and I just think that's too low. Last season, finished as the QB6, averaged 21.4 fantasy points per game, and one of the reasons that Hurts is considered uh, is not really considered a locked-in QB1 in dynasty is because there are concerns that people have of his long-term viability mm-hmm. as a starting quarterback. I do not have those concerns. I think he's the answer. I think the Eagles are committed to him, and he will be their quarterback of the future. They made the playoffs last year, and he brought this team back. They thought they were dead in the middle of the season, and he he led them to the postseason. They're they're projected for 
nine and a half, 10 wins this year. I just don't see a world where he's not the starting quarterback. Last season, uh, Hertz averaged just 28.8 pass attempts per game. And I think there's a lot of room for growth there. Uh, he did a lot on the ground, though. He led all quarterbacks in rush attempts, yards, and touchdowns. Right now, I consider Hurts the second-best running quarterback behind Lamar Jackson in the NFL. And if we recall, going back to the end of 2020, uh, in his first three professional starts, he averaged 36, 37.6 pass attempts per game. This is a quarterback that can air it out, and I do mm-hmm. think that we might see more passing with A.J. Brown with another year of Devonta Smith. I think that Hurts is a top five quarterback this year. And if he has that top five finish, his dynasty ADP is going to skyrocket. Yeah. Uh, you said pretty much nothing in that I disagree with. Um, I think the biggest thing to kind of touch on to begin with is, yeah, I think the the offseason instability on his future is still playing into his current, both ADP and his current like ECR, if we want to talk about it, just his ranking in general. So I think there's still those concerns that are carrying over about whether or not this is his job for the long term. And I, I still think this is a make or break year for Jalen Hurts. I, if he struggles, especially after you bring in A.J. Brown to pair with Devonta Smith, I think if he struggles again this year, then they might be looking toward next year's class. Because you got to remember, they essentially are waiting on one of their picks they could have this year, one of the first rounds. They deferred one of those first round picks to next year. So if Jalen Hurts does struggle, they gave themselves another another shot at a quarterback next year. I don't think they'll be high enough to get a C.J. Stroud or a Bryce Young, but if the Eagles do want to go after a quarterback, I think they would have the chance to do so, but I don't think they're going to need to because I'm with you. I'm still projecting with Jalen Hurts being the guy this year. I think one of the big things to think about too last year was what he did prior to injuring his ankle in Week 12. Um, prior to that point, he was averaging 22.8 fantasy points per game. That was an uh, four points per touchdown leagues dating back to 2020. Like in 2020, 20, and tw- sorry, in 2021, tough thing to say there for some reason for me, only one quarterback averaged more fancy points per game than Jalen Hurts did prior to injuring his ankle. And that was a QB1, Josh Allen. Only two quarterbacks last year rushed for more than 700 yards while also passing the ball for 3,000 more yards. That was once again, Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen. Like the Eagles have made a commitment to him for this season. I think part of that was because it wasn't a great free agency class and also wasn't a great rookie draft class as well. But I think they're all in on AJ Brown. The question, I'm sorry, they're all in on both AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts. I guess I should say more than anything. If we look at what happened with Josh Allen, when you bring in Stephon Diggs, complete change in philosophy. And Josh Allen really was like the perfect time. Josh Allen kind of became Josh Allen. And you also bring in one of the top wide receivers in the NFL. You bring in A.J. Brown, you pay the man on the spot, and you give Jalen Hurts his number one option. I'm I'm very much in on Jalen Hurts. I think, he, I mean, he's been a winner everywhere he has been, whether it's been Oklahoma, whether it was at Alabama in his first year here in the NFL filling in. Um, even last year, like I said, they get to the playoffs. Granted, they got shellacked by the Bucks in the playoffs last year. So I think it is what it is. The question for me is, what's the, the team going to look like this year? If we look from week eight and on, the Eagles were the heaviest running team in the NFL. I think they're running the ball in like 61% of their plays, which was staggeringly higher than everyone else in the league. Do you think that's going to carry over, or do you think Nick Sirianni is going to be, hey, look, we have the weapons in here. We know what can work, so now let's start to unleash Jalen Hurts a little bit more. Like, Do you think that's what's going to kind of lead them now towards the 2022 season? Over the first half of the season or so, I I believe that they were one of the higher uh, teams in terms of neutral game script pass rate. They were. 
Exactly. So I'm not exactly sure if they ever wanted to be a running game, a running team. I think that their hand was kind of it forced. worked with the personnel. Like for all the stuff we want to say about Nick Sirianni and his highlighters and all the weird sayings that he has, you know what I mean? He did the right thing by adjusting the philosophy to fit his personnel. The personnel has changed this year to me. I think that's that's the key is what you pointed out there is the personnel. When, he, when he's dealing with rookie Devonta Smith, who's not a true wide receiver one, but he's a great wide receiver too. And then Jalen Rager and Quez Watkins playing above the, above where they should be. It's very difficult to ask your quarterback to air it out. We even saw Tom Brady during one game where like where Godwin got hurt and Evans went down. Even when he was throwing to Tyler Johnson and Brashad Perryman and Cyril Grayson, how much he struggled with these guys mm-hmm. that just couldn't catch the ball. You're asking Jalen Hurts in his first full year as a starter to throw to Devonta Smith, a rookie, and then Rager and Watkins. He needs better than that, and now he has it. And he's got Devonta another year experience. I'm, they were, they're never going to be this team that just airs it out and it's a 60% pass rate team. No. I don't want Hertz, them to be that. I, right, we don't want that. We want Hurts to run the ball for fantasy purposes. But if they can up their pass attempts by even just one or two per game, that is enough for Hurts' volume to get to a level where he can ascend into that elite level of fantasy quarterbacks. And if you're in a dynasty league, you know full well, you can't wait for it to happen. They're, then the value is gone. You need to move on it now. And we, we, we both agree that this is the time to make a move on Jalen Hurts if you buy him as a long-term answer at quarterback, which we do. Yeah, I mean, for me, this is a guy I was buying last year um, going into the season. Like, I was big on Jalen Hurts last year. Me too. It worked out okay. And I think, like, the question mark was this offseason. What were the Eagles going to do? They kind of, like, didn't get to make a choice because like, I think the class wasn't that great overall. A lot of guys went back and some guys just didn't really pan out. Um, yeah, I'm all with you. I think Jalen Hurts is going to be one of those guys who takes a massive step this year. And kind of silences some of the critics because he was already great last year. If he does it again this year, that's not just a fluke. That's the start of a pattern. Um, I think the other guy for me is, look, this is the everyone's favorite breakout. I guess now going on two seasons. And for me, that's going to be the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, maybe. That's going to be Trey Lance, the uh, second-year player out of North Dakota State. It's, it's hard to kind of get a full grasp of what's going on in San Francisco. They don't seem to know, especially the beat writers. They have no true idea who's going to be the starting quarterback. Is it Jimmy Garoppolo? Is it Trey Lance? Um, I remember a lot of these same beat reporters, the ones that were saying they were locked in all in on Mac Jones being the pick last year when the 49ers sold the entire farm. At some point, they've got to hand the keys over to Trey Lance. There's the talk about how, you know, he's not as polished as they wanted him to be right now. He's behind the eight ball where they expected. Like, I don't personally buy that. Maybe that's just me. Um, maybe I'm just wanting to have a little bit like bias in my own analysis here. But like, like Trey Lance to me has all the chance to be one of the premier fantasy football quarterbacks in this league. Um, I, he's got QB one upside without question. He just needs to be given a chance because he's going into an offense with one of the most creative play callers in the league in Kyle Shanahan. You got some incredible talent between Debo Samuel. You got Brandon Ayuk. You have George Kittle on this team. They bring in Danny Gray in the offseason. You've got Elijah Mitchell in the backfield. Um, they also brought in TDP out of LSU. Uh, Trey Lance for me just kind of brings this another facet of what Kyle Shanahan wants to do that he's never had the option to. Jimmy Garoppolo is not breaking the containment, getting outside the pocket. Trey Lance could do that anytime that he wants. Look like a lot of It is an extremely small sample size. Absolutely a caveat. And I hate extrapolating data out, but like you look at those two games last year when he started. 22.4 points per game, 70 yards per game in his two starts. Like, those are QB1 numbers. Like, I don't want to base an entire career trajectory off only two games, 
But at least in those ones, he showed you there is quality there at quarterback. We know he can pick it up on the ground. He's got a howitzer for a cannon, a howitzer cannon for an arm. There were a couple throws like, okay, wow, he underthrew that guy on that deep on that on the deep route. Oh, he didn't necessarily have to try to lead him. The guy was already wide open by 20 yards. Just get the ball to him and let him make a play. And that's the 49ers offense. It's getting players in space. Trey Lance can facilitate that. Like as long as he learns to kind of throw the change up instead of the Jacob McGrom four seamer at every single receiver below 10 yards, Trey Lance has the capability of being an incredible quarterback. Like it all happens is he just needs to get the word. Yes. Yes. You are the starting quarterback. Yes. We are committing to you. Even if they don't trade away Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance needs to be the starting quarterback. And for me, if I'm in dynasty, if I don't have him on my roster right now, I want to acquire Trey Lance before that final decision is made to where they either move off of Jimmy Garoppolo or Kyle Shannon and the team announce it is Trey Lance's team. To me, then that value is going to shoot up through the moon and it's already kind of on the, the bad side of what your return is going to be. So for me, get get Trey Lance now before a decision is made. I mean, what do you think? I guess it is a, a riskier way to go about things, but I think when you're looking at the return and what it's going to cost to acquire Trey Lance, to me, it seems like the better idea to go down because look, I'm betting on the draft capital. Like the draft capital and how much they invested in Trey Lance tells me he's going to be the starter of the team. What do you think? There's a lot you said there that I agree with. Uh, first and foremost is this whole uh, notion that that he's not polished and they're not ready to commit to him. Jalen Hurts wasn't polished. And the Eagles are committing to him, and look what happened. He he got him into the playoffs. I, I know it's I think the, the one difference there between those ones. The Eagles were hoping to make the playoffs. The 49ers were hoping to win a Super Bowl. Jimmy Garoppolo was the one who you felt was probably the best chance to help you win a Super Bowl at that time. That's the I, one I difference I'll give between this whole situation. Like, it's right there. Jimmy Garoppolo, you thought you wanted to win a Super Bowl. You're trusting him over the rookie. That's the one caveat I'll make between the suit situations. And he, he he probably should have gotten them there. If if not for a dropped interception, they might have been there again. That would have been two Super Bowls in, what, three or four years for Garoppolo? So it's not I mean, like they absolutely destroyed the the Packers. Go back to that game. They, they were right there in it, too later on in the playoffs. Yeah, they, they had it. Uh, so, so Garoppolo's capable, and if he's still there, I would be concerned, but I just can't see a world where third overall pick Trey Lance never gets a chance. Even if even if for some reason that's not this season, it then has to be next season. You can't draft the guy third overall, and and it, when, I mean, like you said, when they put him on the field, he he showed his ability. you got to give that guy a chance, and especially in, in fantasy, I mean, he doesn't even need to be that good. Uh, he he didn't he did not throw the ball well in either of his uh, in his relief appearance for Garoppolo in Week Four or in his start in Week Five. He did not throw the ball well in either of those games, and yet he he averaged uh, he, well, he scored twenty point four fantasy points in Week Four, fifteen point six in Week Five, and then and he had a Week Seventeen start, twenty point one fantasy points. I mean, it, it does not take much. He has QB one upside written all over him, and nobody ever won a fantasy football league by playing it super safe. True. I mean, my, I guess my, my only question with with Trey Lance is, are the 49ers willing to burn two of his five years letting him ride the pine? I, I just don't see it. Maybe that's in just the, me. In the modern NFL, it's just not something you can do anymore. We don't see we don't see quarterbacks no. sit for three years like Aaron Rodgers did. We just just doesn't happen. And you, you need to you need to get your you need to get value out of these players while they're young and get the most out of that initial contract, especially now with more quarterbacks switching teams than we've ever seen before. They, they need to, the trailers needs to be in there this season. And and I do think he will be. Yeah. Like I said, for me, it was, I think my, my initial one would have been Jalen hurts. Um, I ended up going with Trey Lance, but honestly, another one for me, would have been Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence could have been this conversation too, just because of how awful everything went in Jacksonville. 
I think last year finished as a QB two, but he led the NFL with minus with negative 72.3 fantasy points over expectation, which is just baffling how bad that is. Like things can only go up down there in Jacksonville without Urban Meyer. Um, but like I said, I figured stick with the easy one here and go the guy who I feel the most about. And that's going to be Trey Lance. Um, let's talk about your first couple guys here. Run me on here too. Cause you've got a running back here as your next guy on this list of, of dynasty targets to buy right now. That seems to be the topic of conversation for the last couple of years and whether or not which side of the debate do you fall on? Give us your take on here and why you have AJ Dillon as a buy low in dynasty ahead of the 2022 season. I'm not so much going to get into the free draft implications of how I feel about Aaron Jones just yet. But what I will say is that'll be another podcast down the line. We don't have enough time for that one right now. That's going to be a lengthy conversation because I'm kind of on an island there. But I will say this. Aaron Jones will turn 28 years old this season. And by all accounts, he's expected to be gone in 2023. A.J. Dillon is just 24 years old. I know that the age apex for running backs is typically 25, but Dillon is going to be 25 next year without a lot of tread on his tires. By no means is he anywhere close to done. He easily should have another four to five years of being a productive NFL player beyond this season. I think Rodgers sticks around for about two to three more years. And again, even if he's not there, Dillon as the lead back would still have more fantasy value regardless of who's quarterback if he is the only guy there. Last season, A.J. Dillon had more red zone carries than Aaron Jones. And he didn't even take over that role until the second half of the season. Dylan also maligned for his inability as a, as a pass catcher, had four games with four-plus targets. He's a capable receiver. He, he can catch the ball. He's, he's never going to be Christian McCaffrey or prime David Johnson, but he can catch the ball when asked to. He's fine in that role. I think That's he one of my be- things that annoys me, is that we need to start making the differentiation in the fantasy world in general between... A guy who, okay, saying he can't catch the ball, that's BS. You're a professional athlete, they can catch the ball, but there's a difference between a pass-catching weapon and a guy who can catch the ball. Pass-catching weapons are your Camaras, your McCaffreys, your DeAndre Swift, Travis Etienne's, like guys like that. Those are pass-catching weapons. Then you have guys who can catch the ball. That is your A.J. Dillons. Those are the guys who can, yeah, they can catch the ball out of the backfield if you need them to, but they're not the pass-catching weapon you're going to run around the run around the formation, throw him out there in the slot or whatever, and get him one-on-one in space. I think for me, there's a difference there. Sorry, go ahead. I didn't want to, take, I didn't want to cut you off from there. I, I completely think it agree. worth making. It, it is, because there, there is a distinct the distinction between a receiving back and a pass-catching back and someone who can't catch. And the reality it's is... the debate I have every single year doing rookie profiles and talking about rookies. Right. Most, almost every NFL running back can catch the ball when asked to. Even Ronald Not- Jones. Ronald Jones, I guarantee you, can actually catch the ball. He might not do it on the field that often, but he can. He may not be running these precision routes, but if you dump it off to him in the flat, he'll catch the ball. And that's what A.J. Dillon can do. Dump it off in the flat, he'll catch the ball. Yep. But back back to the whole uh, dynasty part of A.J. Dillon and why I love him. I think A.J. Dillon is going to be the primary runner for the Packers this season. I think he's going to out-carry Aaron Jones. He's gonna, I think he's going to be the primary goal line back. I, I don't think the goal line carries, assuming both of them are healthy, will be even remotely close. That means that A.J. Dillon is going to have the majority of the rushing touchdowns and he's going to have the majority of the rushing yards. And he has three down back potential in 2023. And right now, I think Dillon is being viewed more as still kind of this backup, similar to how he was last year, but a little bit better. And I think he's a lot better than what he was going into last season. And now is the time to get in on A.J. Dillon before, before the entire fantasy community 
accepts what I think is going to happen, and that's we see a shift this season into A.J. Dillon as the clear primary running back and Aaron Jones as more of a receiver. How much of this is playing all the fact that the, uh, Devontae Adams is no longer there and your expectation that Aaron Jones will be used more as a receiving back, more so than just a pure runner with A.J. Dillon kind of taking over that role? It certainly factors in, but I mean, I, I was... I was kind of trending toward being out on Aaron Jones and, and more in on Dylan as the like, this might just be you just you just like AJ Dylan like plain and simple um, I, I do but it's also this is kind of what I saw last season I, I remember as this was happening last season every week fantasy rankings would still put out Aaron Jones as this like top six or seven option while we're watching in real time AJ Dylan take more and more work and it, it seems to be that 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 uh that view seems to be bleeding over into the offseason and the next season where people just don't want to accept that AJ Dillon is going to have a much larger role and yes I know Aaron Jones as a receiver that will that will help to keep his fantasy value af- afloat he will catch way more passes than AJ Dillon he will be more involved as a receiver but but touchdowns are the bread and butter of fantasy scoring you need touchdowns and I don't think that Aaron Jones will be anywhere near Dillon in terms of the rushing touchdowns and and that's going to play a big factor in why AJ Dillon's fantasy value I think will jump Aaron Jones's sometime during the 2022 season I think being last year with with Aaron Jones kind of being ranked where he was that was because people were not starting to drop him down in rankings I think the the ranking between the two of them with Aaron Jones over top AJ Dillon that was correct but it was the fact they weren't dropping AJ, they weren't dropping Aaron Jones enough to compensate for a, uh, AJ Dillon's impact on Aaron Jones. I think that was a bigger issue more than anything. I think having Aaron Jones over top of AJ Dillon was correct, but they should have started dropping down Aaron Jones more. Is what you're trying to get at, right? Yeah, that, that's that's exactly it. At no point am I suggesting that anyone should have been ranking Dillon ahead of Jones heading into last season or even in the first half of last season. It, it's just the, the, the disparity between them, and I think the disparity right now is still too great. Yep, makes makes total sense. Um, like I said, it's one of those guys. I feel like you're either all in or all out on the whole AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones kind of thing. You did bring up the contract, the well, the the possibility that Aaron Jones is expected to be gone after this season. Um, if you guys remember, he did sign a four year, forty eight million dollar contract a couple years ago, heading into the 2021 season. The reason this is relevant is because of the cap hit this year it's only five point nine million dollars in cap. There is a potential out for the Green Bay Packers after this season to negate the final remaining two years of this deal where that cap hit goes to $20 million and $16 million over the next two years. So they could, they could move off of Aaron Jones and save $36 million against the cap. That's going to be important to keep in mind. remembering how much Aaron Rodgers is now being paid. Um, so I think that's definitely something to kind of keep in mind. And when you're looking at these dynasty values, keep keep an eye on contracts. They definitely mean a lot way more so than doing a standard redraft. And that's a lot of times where your difference and how you're going to value some of these guys is just that long-term impact of whether or not they're going to be with this team for quite some time. And look, at the same time, anytime we're talking about Green Packers, how the hell long is Aaron Rodgers going to be with the team? Who knows? Like he might get a wild, wild hair, decide he wants to go do Panchakarma and Maui, and we never see him again. I'm sorry for that existence, but it is what it is. After reading what a Panchakarma is, um, I would not wish that on anyone. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy 
happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, we'll move off of your guy. We're going to move on to one of mine right now. It's, it's actually someone we've never seen take a snap in the NFL. They still call him Bilo. And that's going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars running back, Travis Etienne. I was not massively high on Travis Etienne when he came into the draft uh, a couple years ago. I like him. Do not get me wrong. I think he was an, he was a fantastic running back. There were just a couple flaws that he had. His his vision was questionable at times at Clemson. Seemed to run into his blocks a couple times like here and there, but like all that's coachable. The problem is he wasn't getting coached up on, well, anything last year. For one, we have to obviously, there was the foot injury, the Liz Frank injury, which pretty much cost him literally all of last season. That's going to be the biggest one. The biggest pain that he had was actually the, the pain that was being brought to him from Urban Meyer, who is the biggest con artist we have seen come into the NFL in quite some time. And that guy, the amount of jokes I can make about Urban Meyer is ridiculous at this point. The fact he was a co-professor of ethics at Ohio State and finger finger guns himself out of, out of town. Like, yeah, that's just a whole different scenario. But, I mean, Travis Etienne even made the point himself saying, hey, look, if there was ever a, a year to miss – I guess I missed a good one. And I think he did because what the Jacksonville Jaguars need is they need to become just more explosive. I think you're going to get that out of Trevor Lawrence in the passing game because they have, quite frankly, an underrated group of weapons. When we start kind of looking around this roster, they have the receivers because Lord knows they're paying uh, Christian Kirk plenty of money to make to do his job down there. You still you replace him with uh, he's replacing DJ Chark. You still have Marvin Jones on this team because when Trevor Lawrence is looking to make a big play, he was looking his way. They brought in Evan Ingram to play down there with Doug Peterson running a little more 12 personnel alongside Dan Arnold. My biggest thing is Travis Etienne brings explosiveness. Look back at his time at Clemson. He led the NCAA with 55 runs of 20 plus yards or more during his four years with the Tigers between 2017 and 2020 of those explosive plays. He scored 21 touchdowns for 2053 yards and averaged 37.3 yards per rush. ETN also had six receptions of 30 yards or more, giving him a total of 61 explosive plays of 20 yards or more while at college. Why this is important? The Jacksonville Jaguars have had 31 combined explosive plays over the last two seasons alone. Two seasons, they only have 31 explosive plays. Travis Eaton, this is what he did his entire time when he was at Clemson. He's a fantastic receiving back also. Like, you don't just score... 78 touchdowns and average 250, sorry, 200, 125.8 yards per scrimmage out of your final three years just by luck. You don't do that. The question for me is there's the whole question with uh, James Robinson. I love James Robinson. James Robinson was incredible for these past couple years. One of the best storylines coming out of the UDFA. You don't see guys do what he has done very often, but he's also coming back from a torn Achilles. A torn Achilles worries me a lot. We still haven't necessarily seen if Cam Akers has fully came out of what ailed him last year. Yeah, he came back. Didn't look anything near like himself. We'll see what happens with a full year off. Travis, uh, James Robinson doesn't necessarily have that full time frame to get ready, and so I'm still worried about him. He's very well could start the season on the pup list. So for me, I look at Travis Etienne as that RB1 in an offense, which hopes to be more explosive. Look at Doug Peterson, whether it was with Miles Sanders, whether it was with Boston Scott, go back to Jay Ajayi. Like the guy has had multiple running backs receive over 50 receptions a season. So I think the path is there for Travis Etienne can be not just a good between the tackles running back, but in PPR formats, 
He's going to be one of the higher targeted backs of this year. I love getting Travis Etienne on my roster. He's a little bit of an unknown because we haven't seen him translate to the NFL. So all of this is based off college production and the hopefulness of a more improved offense with this whole team kind of gelling in year one under Doug Peterson, but actually year two for these guys. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm being overly optimistic of what could be still a fairly bad Jacksonville Jaguars team. What do you think, Cats? Am I crazy in my thinking here? Or is Travis Etienne a guy who could be a little bit of a breakout this year and someone to buy low in Dynasty? I'm definitely more in than not. I wouldn't say that I'm all in because I have a little bit of a concern about the foot. I think he'll be fine, but the fact that he was saying in February, March, he still was like 80, like 80%. I know Doug Peterson said he'd be ready for training camp, and I believe he will be, but you, you I prefer when these players are overly optimistic about their own health because at least like to me, that's like, okay, I know they're lying, but I, w- I want that confidence. Uh, ultimately though, yeah, it, it should be fine. It's it's just, uh, what, he's laughing at me right now. No, I was just thinking about the other times where someone could lie to you to fill you with confidence. You'd rather they over-exaggerate, but no, go ahead. This is a PG podcast, Tommy. That's why I started laughing. I wasn't going to bring <laughs> it up. That's why this is an only, audio-only podcast, people. Uh, and others may, some people who are at the, at the end detractors may point to not only James Robinson, but the fact that the Jaguars only targeted the running back position 16% of the time last season. That was one of the lowest rates in the league. And my counter to that would be that has to do with personnel. I have a new coaching staff and I, I don't, I don't like to, I don't like when people say things like, Oh, this, this quarterback doesn't target the running back. Like, Oh, Cam Newton doesn't target the running back. Well, yeah, he targeted Christian McCaffrey, didn't he? Or this team doesn't target the tight end. All of a sudden they get a tight end and they, they throw to him. It has to do I mean, with Trevor the Lawrence did a pretty decent job targeting a running back when he was in college. And Oh wait, his name was Travis Etienne. Ain't that similar. <laughs> exactly. So they give Travis, they give Trevor Lawrence his own running back from college. And uh, there's no reason we should, we should expect the running back target share to remain this low this season. Uh, and, and of course, we know that receptions are more valuable than carries. No one is penciling in uh, Travis Etienne to carry the ball 200 times this season. He doesn't need to. He doesn't need to. If, if, he, if he, he has a real shot at, at 80 to 90 targets, and if he gets that, I'd be stunned if he wasn't at least like a mid-RB2, even if the Jaguars aren't scoring a lot of points. Yep, and that, that's my thing. I think just the upside is there for what he can bring to this offensive familiarity. Like, no one's expecting him to be like this unbelievable take everything over like Jonathan Taylor did. You know what I mean? Like no one's expecting that. Like we have to be reasonable with our expectations. But for me, I think the upside of Travis Etienne in a PPR league, given the fact that he's playing with his former quarterback with a coach who's able to use what we should be a more fruitful system for fantasy football, who has a, a tendency already to want to get running backs involved early and often in the passing game touches a, a target r- roughly being about three times more in terms of expected fancy points in a carry. I think everything kind of works out to where Travis Etienne could be a pretty darn good value and someone to buy low on for the 2022 season. We got one one more name on both of our boards. Once again, you got in early and got one of mine. So go ahead and tell me who is your third player that you're all in on to buy low in for the 2022 dynasty season. Let me assure the fine people listening to this podcast that Tommy and I are not going to agree on everything this season. But one thing we God, do agree I hope on not. that's going to be so <laughs> boring for my life. It'd be no fun, and and plus everyone knows I I love to argue, so it'll be it'll be more fun when we start disagreeing. But <laughs> ain't that the truth? <laughs> but right now, uh, we are both very bullish on a bounce back year from one Allen Robinson. Tennessee uh, managers seem to really dislike old receivers, and I I think that why do you hate winning? 
right. It, it's like these. There's a difference between old and done. And yeah, yes. if, if Alan Robinson yes. was 32 years old, absolutely, I'm fine. You can be out on him. He's 29. You know who else is 29? Cooper Cup. You know who you're drafting in the first round of dynasty startups? Cooper Cup. Mm-hmm. Yet we're out on Allen Robinson on the same team who's who is this is someone who was a wide receiver one for for two seasons prior to uh to 2021. He averaged 16.4 points per game in 2020, 15.9 in 2019. Those are wide receiver one threshold is typically about 16 points per game. He was right there for two straight seasons with dare I say subpar quarterback play. <laughs> dare you I, I I dare say you can say that. Yes. Uh my so God. this 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 comes down to whether you think Allen Robinson is done. Do you blame his 2021 failure on the Bears or entirely on Allen Robinson? I'm not blaming Allen Robinson, especially after I blasted Odell Beckham for the past two years, and then he goes to Los Angeles, the same place Allen Robinson went to, and all of a sudden, hey, wait a minute. Turns out I was wrong. Odell Beckham's dad was right. He was getting open. Baker just wasn't throwing on the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I'm buying in on Allen Robinson bounce back. He is he is not going to be the dynasty wide receiver 38 next year. No chance. No matter what happens, there's no way. He will either be the dynasty wide receiver 80 or he'll be in like the top 20. That, that, that's, that's the only two possible outcomes. I mean, this Robinson, is, we got to remember, this is the guy that made Blake Bortles look like a QB1. Yeah, Blake Bortles, that 2015 season is legendary. And that was Allen Robinson. Uh, here's a good comparison. Past four seasons, Robert Woods. I know that Safford was only there for one of them. But Robert Woods in this Rams offense. 15.2, 15.3, 15.5, 16.6 points per game. You don't think Allen Robinson can do something like that this year? He doesn't even need to do that. He gives you 13 points per game, and his dynasty value is going to be higher than where it is right now. I don't think he's giving you 13 points per game. I think he's giving you closer to that 15, 16 number. All in an Allen Robinson. Get him now. He's got two or I three mean, years, good, good years left. Let me throw you this one. Let me give you a couple averages here and tell me if you like this or not. Blind averages, right? 7.7 targets per game, five receptions, 61.8 yards, and 0.56 touchdowns for 15.9 PPR points per game. Do you like that? Yeah, I take that for sure. Okay. On a 17-game pace, if you extrapolate that out, that's 130 targets, 85 receptions, 1,050 yards, and 10 touchdowns, which would be 270 PPR points. Are you still in on that? Uh, yeah. Okay. That was the nine-game pace for Robert Woods lined up alongside Cooper Cup last year before he tore his ACL. So don't tell me that you can't produce two high-end wide receivers in the same offense. Especially the an offense there. like the Rams that is that is very consolidated. This isn't a team that that has four or five different guys that they throw the ball to. This ball goes to their wide receiver one, Cooper Cup, their wide receiver two, Robert Woods, or Odell Beckham, and now Allen Robinson. That's who it's going to be. And then, of course, we have Tyler Higby and the running backs picking up the rest of the, of, of the bulk of the targets. Allen Robinson is going to be the wide receiver too, and I don't I don't really see a world where he doesn't have at least like a twenty two percent target share. And I how how is that not better than wide receiver thirty eight this season? Yeah, I'm I I cannot agree with you anymore on this one. I am all in on Allen Robinson. Um, the money talks also three year forty six and a half million dollars. There is an out after the twenty twenty three season, but his cap hit drops by over seventy three percent by that time. There's no incentive to let Robinson walk, and even then, he'd still only be 31 years old. Well, yeah, that's on the older side of things, but that's the guy who I want. Like, I think Allen Robinson bridges that gap between win now and play for the future because he's a guy who could be that number two for you or number three on your dynasty team right now and bring you incredible weekly upside while adding in some more rookies and more some more depth into next year's classes. I am all in on getting Allen Robinson. Play off of the whole age debate in dynasty. Give me A-Rob out there in L.A., all day, 
every freaking day. Um, we'll hit on my last one here. We'll kind of wrap things up here for this episode. I did the same thing. I wanted to hit on a wide receiver at the same time. There's a couple different ones I wanted to hit on. Um, I think there's several different ones who I am just a, a massive fan of. Um, wide receiver is deep. I think we talk about that every single year. Um, but I think the biggest one for me that I am all in on trying to acquire this year, if I don't have him already in my team, that's going to be Cortland Sutton. That's the big one for me. You want to talk about a guy who is going into an absolutely incredible, incredible opportunity. Cortland Sutton was already one of the top top players last year in, um, in terms of air yards for what they represent on their entire team. And now you're pairing him instead of with Teddy Bridgewater with Russell freaking Wilson who was one of the deepest ADOC quarterbacks in the NFL last year, has one of the best deep target completion percentages, loves to take shots. We've saw what he did with DK Metcalf. You look at the, the stats side by side, DK Metcalf and Corlin Sutton can kind of do the exact same damn thing. Corlin Sutton broke out back, what was it, the 2019 season it was coming to SMU. He had the ACL injury that happened in 2020. That hampered him all of last season. So that's why I was not surprised Cortland Sutton kind of had a little bit of a, a downturn to expectations. Like it takes multiple years to come back, especially if you're a receiver, you're planting, you're cutting, you're putting a lot of outside pressure on that knee and you got to trust it. And that's the thing with a lot of guys say they will become back physically healthy, but mentally it's the getting over that hurdle for Allen Robinson. It was a combination of very, even an anemic passing offense where they wanted to be a running team, but with, uh, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, and they did that. They both ran over 203. They both ran 203 times apiece. Saw plenty of work out of the backfield. The passing game with Teddy Bridgewater was never going to be what fans expected. Even compared to Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater does not take the same chance as Drew Locke did. And for a while, they said that was an open competition. It was never an open competition. It was to the media, but internally, it was always Teddy Bridgewater's job. That's no longer a question when you have Russell Wilson on your team. Wilson, we've always said the Denver Broncos were a quarterback away. Russell Wilson gives them that opportunity. And for me, it's it's not the conversation between whether you like Jerry Judy or Corton Sutton. For me, it's I'm all in on the Corton Sutton versus Jerry Judy debate. For me, I would rather have honestly have a conversation between Jerry Judy versus Tim Patrick and KJ Hamler. I think those guys are closer between Judy and Patrick versus Judy is to Corton Sutton. Sutton to me is the number one of this team. I am going to be very bullish on him in my rankings. Like I know for this season, I think he's just waiting to ascend in fantasy and you want to play off the age debate. Well, Colton Sutton isn't exactly old either. Uh, I believe right now. Yeah. He's only 26 years old right now, six foot four. He also got a contract extension before everyone else started getting paid all of their big money. I, like I said, I am all in on Colton Sutton. Go back to that 2019 season, 125, 72, over 1100 yards and six touchdowns. I think that 125 target, I think that's pretty close, but where I think we're going to see a big turn is in the efficiency. I think that's where the biggest thing where Russell Wilson is really going to impact this team. They'll be a little more passing forward this year, but for me, I am all in on Corton Sutton. Give me him right now in Dynasty before he takes off. If everyone wants to pay attention to Jerry Judy and he's the big buy right now for going into the season, that's fine. I personally am pivoting towards Corton Sutton. I think me and you are in the same camp with this. Am I correct on that, Cats? I've never been a big Jerry Judy guy. I've always thought he was more okay than this potential wide receiver one. I never saw that in him. I don't see him as the best. He's an incredible route runner. He is, but like a lot lot of guys are great route runners. Judy can't do the things that Sutton can do athletically. And I know that athleticism, we've seen athletic guys fail before. But that's a good thing. We want differentiation between these players. Like we don't want two guys doing the same thing on a team. 
Like look Absolutely. at DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. They complement each other perfectly. I think Jerry Judy and his whole team can complement Colton Sutton. I think it's a it's a really good parallel. I mean, they're not they're not the same players, but they're no. going to be his new Metcalf and Lockett. That, that's how he's going to treat them. And, I, and let's I want, also stop and say like, well, Russell Wilson's never had good receivers. Let's stop besmirching the names of Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. And I'm Doug not saying you're trying to say that. I am not trying to say that Sutton and Judy are better than Lockett and Metcalf. Let's not start that all. one off the bat. But I think these are the obviously the best quarterbacks either of these two guys have had. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So with Sutton, we saw in the 2019 season. He was averaged 13.9 fantasy points per game. And the key about that is 15.4 yards per reception. Last year, that went down to 13.4 in this backwards Broncos offense that just didn't want to push the ball downfield, didn't want to take any chances. If they ever got a lead, they're going to run the ball a million times. That's going to change now, not just with Russell Wilson, but with a head coach who worked with Aaron Rodgers for multiple years. That's the type of offense that I'm expecting now. And when it comes to well, it's Sutton, like you talk, I mean, you talk, you brought up a very good point. You talked about the, like the lack of his, his yards per reception dropping last year, right? You talk about that. The difference was he was getting targeted. It was lack of efficiency. Last year, he had 1,500 air yards last year. He had a 15.4 A dot. But the problem is he was only turning about 51% of that into yards. He had 30.59% of the air yards last year and 20 I'm sorry, an 18.3% of the, the team target share. Like everything was right there from tail. They just didn't have the efficiency. Yeah. His, his average at the target was 15.7 yards. That was, that was second most in the entire NFL. He just needs yeah. more accurate passes. I mean, the only people above Cortland Sutton in terms of air yards last year, Justin Jefferson, Stefan Diggs, DJ Moore, Terry McLaurin, Tyree Kill, Cooper Cup, DK Metcalf, Marquise Brown, Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams. We all have those guys as the elites of this class. It's all about opportunity. Deeper opportunities create more explosive plays, bring more fantasy production. Now you're giving me Cortland Sutton in this exact same style of role with a more efficient quarterback. I don't see why Cortland Sutton is not this guy who's set to explode this year. I don't get it. And, and I, don't under, I don't understand the argument that, like, oh, Judy's four years younger. I, I, I don't care cool. because it, it's Sutton will be 27 years old this season. 27. That means he's got his age 27, 28, 29, and 30 before I'm going to start to worry about him falling off. That's, That's still prime years. years for a wide receiver. Like, I, I don't care at all in Dynasty about beyond four years. I'm sorry. I just don't. Like, I mean, the NFL is going to look – go look at a, at a draft board from 2018 and, and, and look, look at a redraft board from 2018. And tell me what you see in twenty that translates to twenty twenty two. There's just it's so different. You cannot plan that far in advance. I give me the guy who I think will be better for those next four years, and that's Cortland Sutton. Here's one thing I'm going to say, and this is something that not a lot of people are going to tell you right now. I don't care about three years down the road. On all these I guys. don't. The reason why I don't ninety nine for the people that are listening. Ninety nine percent of the leagues you play, and if you play in multiple dynasty leagues, will fold within three years. Play to win now. It's rare to have a dynasty league last five plus years. Those are the rare ones because normally you're going to have a ton of turnover. Eventually, you're going to have to replace multiple guys. And then, okay, yeah, the league's just going to fold. I care about what's going to happen right now or within the next, the next one to two, three years, possibly, if it's like a quarterback or whatever. Like, I care about something, but overall, like four years down the line, I, I don't care. So many things can happen. Situations are so fluid in the NFL, whether it's due to injuries or trades or retirements, new coaching changes, who knows? Things always change. Though. So for me, for looking four years down the line, I don't care. That's way too far for me to care. I care about this year 
and looking in, into next year. For me, that right now with Corton Sutton, give me all that. He's still in his prime. Like I said, most of the time, like a lot of leagues fold before that point. You're ever going to care about, say, I want to rebuild and be competitive in three years. Are you still going to have that team in three years? Let's be honest with ourselves. And then that, to me, that's where I get into the whole age debate. Now, maybe I'm on hill on that one. I don't know. No, I completely with you. I, I, I've always operated in any keeper or dynasty league where my philosophy is I care about this year, next year, and that's it. I, I'm, I'm trying I'm, to win. Yeah. Like, I'm, trying I'm, to trying win. To win. I'm not trying to just throw away my buy-in, like plain and simple. Like, I'm trying to win now. I'm trying to win every single year. Like, I might have a couple teams that are more like productive struggle, but even on those ones, it's because I'm going all in on a rookie class. I still have a plan. Like, I'm still trying to attack every single year with a clear mindset. And that plan is next year's rookie class. It's not like you're planning in 2022 for 2025. Exactly. For 2023. Yeah. So I'll load up. Give me veterans right now. Give me your Allen Robinsons. Give me your Trey Lances. Give me your Jalen Hurts. Give me AJ Dillon. Give me Colton Suttons. Give me those guys right now. And then so I can load up on draft picks and I have a team built of veterans with a ton of rookies incoming. To me, that's how you build a great dynasty team so you can win now and win in the future. But hopefully with at least six, these six names we kind of talked about, you can try to target some of these ones and see if you can kind of get them on your dynasty team heading into the 2022 dynasty season. Uh, that's going to wrap up today's episode of the Premier Fantasy Football Podcast powered by Pro Football Network. If you enjoyed today's show, feel free to leave a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. It is greatly appreciated and does help the show grow. Also, continue to stay up to date with all the latest news from around the league by heading over to ProFootballNetwork.com where you can find all the analysis covering not only fantasy football, but breaking news around the league, college football, betting, and the NFL draft. And speaking of the draft, it is never too early to start getting in your mock drafts for the 2023 season by using the PFN Mock Draft Simulator, which you can find over at ProFootballNetwork.com forward slash mock draft. You can follow Jason over on Twitter at JasonCats13. You can follow me at Tommy Garrett PFN. Speaking for Jason, I'm Tommy, and we'll see you guys next time for another edition of the show.